It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 439 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Christmas Dreams Come True. It is December 22, 2023, and this is Jed. I've got a whole bunch of stuff in here, and some of these articles that I've added are interesting, but also long. So I'm not going to read you every word from everything, but you'll get kind of the main idea. So the first one that I'm going to read to you is from the Wall Street Journal. It's actually on Microsoft Start. Uh, You may have noticed if you read a lot of articles online that some companies will allow Microsoft or other companies things that gather stuff to use their stuff for a while, that kind of thing. So that's what this is from, but it is actually from the Wall Street Journal officially. And this is the title, Activision Blizzard to pay more than $50 million to settle lawsuit that spurned Microsoft's takeover, written by Sarah E. Needleman about six days ago. Here's part of this article. Activision Blizzard has agreed to pay more than $50 million to settle a high-profile lawsuit by a California regulator that helped spur Microsoft's October takeover of the video game company. The state's civil rights department sued Activision in mid-2021, alleging its leadership ignored numerous employee complaints of sexual harassment, discrimination, and pay disparity. California's civil Rights Department said Friday the settlement resolves allegations over discrimination and pay disparity, including by denying promotion opportunities and paying women less than men for doing substantially similar work. The statement released after publication of this article didn't reference the suit's sexual harassment claims. Activision said, uh, The statement released after publication of this article didn't reference the suit's sexual harassment claims. Activision said after publication of this article that the state has agreed to file an amended complaint complaint that withdraws its 2021 claims, alleging widespread and systemic workplace harassment at the company. Santa Monica, California-based Activision has repeatedly denied the state's charges and said an investigation into the matter by its board of directors concluded they were false. The company has since fired pushed out or disciplined dozens of employees for misconduct and other issues in response to an internal investigation. Activision shared with the Wall Street Journal a settlement agreement signed by both parties saying a cause of action alleging employment discrimination because of sexual harassment would be withdrawn. The company also shared a document called a second amended complaint and signed by a lawyer for the state that didn't include any of the original allegations regarding sexual harassment. So I think that's kind of bogus, you know what I mean? If sexual harassment was happening, you should be doing something about that. It just seems like they're kind of just brushing that away and, you know, putting it under the rug and forgetting about it. But, like, people got sexually harassed. You need to do something about that. Activision didn't do it. State of California tried to make them do it. And, well, here we are. So that's, uh, that's the Wall Street Journal article. We also have one by Kotaku titled... 
Activision to settle discrimination suit for $54 million, bracket update. And uh, there's a picture of Bobby right there. Activision Blizzard has been the subject of scrutiny for several years now due to its alleged, quote, boys club corporate culture. And now the Wall Street Journal reports the embattled gaming company will pay roughly $54 million to settle a 2021 gender discrimination and harassment lawsuit, the same lawsuit that seemingly prompted Microsoft's landmark $69 billion acquisition of the Call of Duty and Overwatch publisher that was finally greenlit in October after an 18-month legal battle. In a statement to Kotaku, an Activision Blizzard spokesperson shared further context on the settlement. I find it interesting that it's always a spokesperson. No, no name. No one knows who to link this to. No one knows who to yell at if this is something they dislike or to cheer for if they decide this is a good thing, whatever's coming up here. So I just think you should have your spokesperson's name in there. Because that's part of their job. They should have to ha have their name there. Here it is. We are gratified that we have reached an agreement with the California Civil Rights Department CRD today, as the CRD has now announced in a press statement. We appreciate the importance of the issues addressed in this agreement, and we are dedicated to fully implementing all the new obligations we have assumed as part of it. We want our employees to know that, as the agreement specifies, we are committed to ensuring fair compensation and promotion policies and practices for all our employees. And we will continue our efforts regarding inclusion of qualified candidates from underrepresented communities in outreach, recruitment, and retention. We are also gratified that the CRD has agreed to file an amended complaint that entirely withdraws its 2021 claims alleging widespread and systemic workplace harassment at Activision Blizzard. As the CRD acknowledged explicitly in the agreement, quote, CRD is filing along with a proposed consent decree, a second amended complaint that withdraws, among other allegations and causes of action, the fifth cause of action, quote, employment discrimination because of sex dash harassment, end quote. As the CRD also expressly acknowledged in the agreement, quote, no court or independent investigation has substantiated any allegations that there has been systemic or widespread sexual harassment at Activision Blizzard, end quote. In addition, the CRD has acknowledged that no, no court or independent investigation sustained, substantiated any allegations that, quote, Activision Blizzard's board of directors, including its chief executive officer, Robert Kodak, acted improperly with regard to the handling of any instances of workplace misconduct. Now, to me, this sounds like it's all just being pushed under the rug. Under the agreement, Activision Blizzard will pay about $54.875 million to cover direct relief to workers, as well as litigation costs. Of that total, approximately $45.75 million will go toward a settlement fund dedicated to compensating workers. Okay, that sounds better than what the other ones were... were posting. The agency said women who worked as employees or contract workers for Activision Blizzard in California between 12, 2015 and December 31, 2020 may be eligible to receive compensation. Quote, at this time, no action is needed by individuals covered under the proposed agreement and additional information will be posted on CRD's website upon approval of the court, CRD said. Under the settlement, CRD is dropping allegations from its initial lawsuit filed in 2021 that claimed Activision Blizzard had a widespread culture of systemic harassment and a pervasive frat boy workplace. We've all heard this before, you know, this is not news. 
Uh, California remains deeply committed to promoting and enforcing the civil rights of women in the workplace, CRD Director Kevin Kish said in a statement. If approved by the court, this settlement agreement represents a major step forward and will bring direct relief to Activision Blizzard workers. At the California Civil Rights Department, we will continue to do our path part, sorry, our part to fight for the rights of our state's residents. And uh, there's a statement in here from Activision Blizzard as well. I don't know if it matches the one that Kotaku put up or not. And in other news, from other articles, from other sites, this one's from The Verge. It's titled, Microsoft announces more Xbox leadership changes as Activision's Bobby Kotick departs. This was written by uh, Tom Warren and Ash Parrish. Um, It was posted on uh, December 20, so just a couple days ago. Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick is stepping down officially December 29th. Microsoft has not appointed a direct replacement and instead has rolled the suite of Activision Blizzard executives, including Blizzard President Mike Ybarra. Activision's publishing president Rob Kostich and Activision Blizzard vice chair Thomas Tipple under Microsoft's game content and studios president Matt Booty. Yes, that's his last name. I'm sure he had hell in middle school for it. Kodak's departure comes just two months after some big Xbox leadership changes that saw Sarah Bond promoted to Xbox president, leading all Xbox platform and hardware work, and Matt Booty promoted to the president of game content and studios, including overseeing Bethesda and ZeniMax Studios. Now, Booty is getting even more responsibilities with Bethesda, Activision Blizzard, and Xbox Game Studios all under his watch. Microsoft is largely keeping the leadership team of Activision Blizzard in place, with some executive-level exceptions. Activision Blizzard Chief Communications Officer Lulu Mazervi will leave the company at the end of January. Humam Sak- uh, Saknini, Vice Chairman of Blizzard and King, will also depart at the end of December. A number of Activision Blizzard executives will depart in March, too. Here are some of those. Brian Bulatalo, Chief Administrative Officer, Julie Hodges, Chief People Officer, Armin Zurza, Chief Financial Officer, and Grant Dixon, Chief Legal Officer, are all reporting to their Microsoft gaming equivalents, while Thomas Tipple, Vice Chairman, Activision Blizzard, is reporting to Matt Booty for now. He will depart Microsoft in March alongside other Activision Blizzard executives. Quote, Thomas, Brian, Julie, Grant, and Armin will continue to help us with the transition through March 2024, says Xbox chief Phil Spencer in an internal memo obtained by The Verge. Additionally, a memo from Matt Booty announced some of the changes taking place at ZeniMax and Bethesda, including that Jill Braff has been named the new head of those studios. Braff worked on the integration team when ZeniMax and Bethesda joined Xbox back in 2021 and will lead studios development teams. Uh, goes on from there. There's a whole memo here from Phil Spencer, and it's probably just repeating what we have here. And there's another one by Matt Booty. So um, that's what's going on with Microsoft and how they're handling the uh, takeover, I guess, uh, or acquisition, whatever you want to call it, of Activision Blizzard King. So that's, you know, it's a lot of corporate people with, um, you know, big titles bouncing around to different places or staying or, or whatever they're going to do. And then we have from Engadget, who has the title, Bobby Kotick's reign at Activision Blizzard ends December 29, 2023. 
followed by So Long and Thanks for All the Toxic Workplace Lawsuits, written by Jessica Condent just a few days ago. We knew it was coming, but now we have a date. Bobby Kotek will officially step down as CEO of Activision Blizzard on December 29, 2023. Blizzard and King Vice Chairman Humam Sakanini will also leave at the end of December. Activision Blizzard Chief Communications Officer Lulu Miservi is out in January, and a, handle, a handful, excuse me, and a handful of other executives will leave in March, according to an internal memo from Xbox head Phil Spencer published by The Verge. Activision Blizzard Vice Chairman Thomas Tipple Blizzard President Mike Ibarra and King President uh, Teodfold Summerstad will remain at the studio and report to Matt Booty, Microsoft's president of gaming content and studios. Otherwise, leadership teams across Activision, Blizzard, and King will stay the same, according to the memo. Kodak had been the head of Activision since 1991. At Activision Blizzard, he oversaw massively popular franchises, including Call of Duty, Diablo, StarCraft, and World of Warcraft. And once the company acquired Mobile Studio King in 2016, he added Candy Crush to that list. The company is a AAA powerhouse, and it generated $7.5 billion in revenue in 2022. And then we've got um, a thing talking about the sexual harassment stuff going on which I've already read to you in this episode. Uh, Microsoft announced its intent to purchase Activision Blizzard in early 2022, lawsuits and all. The deal was valued at $69 billion, and considering the scale of both companies involved, it faces intense scrutiny from regulators in the U.S. and the U.K. Or it faced, that was, that's uh, past tense, it faced, I just messed that up, but that's what this actually said. The acquisition was approved in October after 21 months of legal arguments and concessions. Microsoft is now the third largest video game studio in the world by revenue, and it's the face of the ongoing consolidation craze tearing through the industry. Once Microsoft's purchase went through, Kodak said he'd stay on through the end of 2023. According to Bloomberg, Kodak is set to make $370 million from the acquisition, and he's expecting a golden parachute of $14.6 million. So good news is he's not going to be involved in any of this anymore. Bad news is we're paying him to go away. All these companies are. So whatever. I don't know what he's going to get up to after that. If you have that much money, do you really need anything else in your life? You know, do you really want to like start a new company or, or whatever? I don't know. But I think just the concept that Kodak's going to be gone, you know, bye bye Bobby kind of thing. I think a lot of people are going to be pretty happy about that because I mean, many of us, including myself, think he didn't really do a good job at all. He's kind of sketchy overall. Um, there's been articles, if you want to go through the entirety of all the Shattered Soulstone episodes, you can find like articles saying that he'd done something egregious to someone or that sort of thing. And it's just... Ugh. So I think Microsoft taking over Activision Blizzard King is really good, not only for um, people who don't want to work with Bobby, but also... Uh, all of the people that are probably going to get treated a hell of a lot better under Microsoft than they would under Activision Blizzard King with Bobby in charge. And that's just my two cents about it, I suppose. I've also got one from CNBC titled Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotek to step down at the end of the year. I don't know that there's a lot new in here that I haven't already noted. There was a memo that went out that um, Kotek sent to the workers. I've got it somewhere. I don't have it in front of me. But he was writing about CNBC pulled a paragraph from that and 
It was expressed uh, with gratitude and appreciation for his time at Activision Blizzard. Here's a paragraph from it, although it is much longer than that. Quote, I cannot adequately express the pride I have in people who continue to contribute to our success and all those who have helped throughout my 32 years leading this company, Kodak wrote in the release, which was posted to Activision Blizzard's website. We are now part of the world's most admired company. That isn't an accident. He, uh, Spencer, Phil Spencer, also announced a slew of additional organizational changes that will take place following the merger. I've already read to you about those. This is like a whole new Activision Blizzard King, essentially. I mean, I'm hoping all the workers uh, that were part of those or are still part of those will be not dumped by Microsoft. I don't think Microsoft would do that immediately, but it's hard to say. Um, it depends, I guess, on how much Microsoft wants to have access and choice and uh, money from Activision Blizzard King. We'll see how it goes, but just getting Bobby out of there is probably going to make a lot of people feel better about the company in general. Uh, I doubt Microsoft is going to be one of those companies that secretly, you know, says, sure, harass whoever you want. I just don't see that happening. You know, it would like totally ruin their bottom line and the way people see them in the world as a company. So, so it's good news that Bobby is leaving soon. I've got an article here from PC Gamer that I think I forgot to put in the previous episode, and I'm going to just read a little bit to you from this one. It was written by Tyler Culp, published December 15, 2023. The article is titled, In Less Than a Year, Blizzard Transformed Diablo 4 into an Action RPG Worth Grinding For. Fundamental changes helped Diablo 4 find its identity in a sea of RPGs this year. So here's just a little bit about this. It's pretty long, so I'm not going to read it all to you, but you can find everything I talked about at ShatteredSoulStone.com in the show notes there. It'll be, come, they come out every Saturday. And, uh, you know, if there's something you missed or something you wanted to read the whole thing of, all the links will be in there. So Tyler Culp wrote this. My sorceress has one of the rarest items in Diablo 4. Uh, what is this? A Havion Spear of Lycander is an uber unique that drops off one of the hardest endgame boss fights. It does absurdly high damage and periodically transforms my character into a god. The spear isn't technically good for my build, which funnels all my power into balls of lightning that orbit my character. But when the spear's unique effect triggers and I become a pulsing ball of destructive energy, I don't need a build. Enemies explode no matter what gear I have on. It feels like breaking the game, and in some ways it is, but it isn't out of place in Diablo 4, an action RPG that spent the last six months learning how to celebrate what it's like to be overpowered. And then there was Season 0, and this person has written um, things that they thought was good and things that they thought was bad. There's a picture here of Lilith. It took a few hours of playing Diablo 4 after it launched in July for me to realize that the loot-filled action RPG we had all enjoyed during its beta weekends was gone. Legendary items were surprisingly rare. Leveling up took forever. And enemies scaled so tightly to your level that you never felt considerably stronger than them. Everything was a slog, especially the campaign, which spent six acts building to a silly conclusion to set up the first expansion. Diablo 4 was so incredibly stingy and muted, it was like the entire game had been designed to keep you logged in to hit a number on an internal Blizzard player retention sheet. We finally had the sequel to Diablo 3 after 11 years, and yet the creative core of the series was locked behind a grind. It's the most rewarding dungeons, and therefore the best times were only accessible once you survived the trek from 
level 1 to 50. It was so laborious that players hunted for dungeons with the highest enemy density to squeeze as much XP out of them as possible, and every single time Blizzard quickly nerfed them. Quote, Devs, we run dungeons to level because the XP everywhere else sucks, read one popular Reddit thread. Players of all levels and classes eventually started burning out on the grind. It felt like playing an MMO where you have hundreds of hours in front of you before you reach something good. The journey to level 100 was a bore, and there wasn't much to do once you were there either. Nightmare Dungeons offered slightly better loot, and Helltides, while exceptionally cool in concept, weren't monster or loot rich enough to prioritize. Goes on from there. Season 1. I missed Season 1 entirely. I didn't even get into that one. And uh, let's see what they have to say about that. Blizzard held a stream soon after the launch of Season 1 where its lead developers sat with their heads down, the live embodiment of a YouTube apology video thumbnail. We don't plan on doing a patch like this ever again, community lead Adam Fletcher said, prefacing an hour-long discussion on the balance philosophy of Diablo 4 and how it would change going into Season 1. Blizzard pledged to refrain from nerfing powerful builds unless they were legitimate exploits and said, it nerfs, uh, said if nerfs were to happen, it would provide exciting alternatives. Despite only announcing the few immediate changes to help weaker classes like barbarians and sorcerers, Blizzard stuck to its word. This was the start of Diablo 4's redemption arc. The season of the malignant injected power back into the game, and it goes on from there. Then they're talking about season two, which is the current season going on. Uh, and I'll read you a little bit from there. Around two weeks before season two's October launch, Blizzard laid out its plan to reshape Diablo 4. Through a whopping 40% increase to XP gains and streamlined dungeons, Blizzard effectively chopped the time it took to reach the end game in half. Loot drops were bountiful, and rare, unique items were nearly guaranteed to drop off specific bosses. Even your horse could get around in the open world faster. The Season of Blood launched on October 17, and it's the reason I've played more Diablo 4 in the last few months than I did when it launched. Every activity available to you at almost any level will net you loads of XP and resources. Blood Harvest events are active every hour in the open world, and they're stuffed with monsters that drop loads of loot and fulfill grim favor objectives for millions of gold. Every trip is a shopping spree, and you can participate minutes after making a new character. Which you'd have to, because you can't have... You have to have a new character to do the seasonal stuff, like the Season of Blood. You know, you'd have to make a new character. <laughs> By accelerating Diablo 4's progression, Blizzard has invited everyone to get their hands dirty and play with the malleability of its classes. You have the resources to find and perfect variants to popular builds that fit your playstyle. Suboptimal items, item drops can be worked around. My Ball Lightning Sorcerer build, for example, uses the class's enchantment slot for teleport so I can speed through dungeons faster than anything else in the game. Necromancers who are tired of being shackled to their bodies, same can run, that's what it says in their same, can run a build where they're now almost permanently an invulnerable cloud of blood rust mist. I think they meant red mist. Every class has ways to crush the game, and now it's so much more expressive than it was at launch. There's more in here. There's quite a bit more if you want to see more about this, um, including what this writer thinks about season three and beyond. Um, I thought it was just kind of interesting because this kind of feels like what most of us went through you know, when we were like playing the alpha or the beta and then we got into the the main game and it was very like slow and difficult and, and not as much fun as it is now, that kind of stuff. Um, so I think this is a pretty good article and I think, I think it will be something that most of us go, oh yeah, I remember doing that. That wasn't fun, <laughs> you know? There's a video here from Echo Gaming. 
Diablo on YouTube. And it's titled, Everything Revealed This Winter Update is Insane, and it is for Diablo Immortal. Um, I watched it earlier. It's not that long, um, so you can like just check it out and see all the things. There's like a Christmas thing going on in there, as well as one in Diablo 4, but they're not the same. <laughs> and uh, Echo, does, Echo Gaming does a really good job of explaining all of that, so that'll be in the show notes as well if you want to like, play some Diablo Immortal, if you really like Christmas stuff, this is the thing for you to watch and see if that's uh, something you want to go jump into. Wowhead has an article from six days ago titled Abattoir of Xur Returning in the Future with Better Rewards Blizzard Confirms, written by Juz uh, Artros, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I hope so. The Abattoir of Xur has proven an intense challenge for wanderers in Sanctuary. Between intense damage, massive health pulls, and deadly bloodseeker bosses at the end of a run, the Abattoir has claimed more than one life since its launch a few weeks ago. We know, however, that the Abattoir of Xur will be removed at the end of this season, and Blizzard is already planning for the future. Diablo Global Community Development Director Adam Fletcher has confirmed that not only is the Abattoir of Xur re returning in later patches, but it will also have significantly improved rewards for the trouble. Uh, there's a little thing here from X of him saying something about that. While currently the Abattoir of Xur has the highest guaranteed item level floor outside of world bosses and uber durial, the difficulty of the content has proven unwelcoming to gear farming. Because of this, the only tangible rewards are bragging rights and a level of a glyph that says Tears of Blood, which not all players are interested in. <laughs> so there's that. But I guess it'll get better later on. We've also got uh, season two feedback from someone on the Diablo 4 forums named Titoli1. It's kind of long, so I'll just read you a little bit. And he wrote, hello devs, here is some feedback that I wrote down while I was playing season two. Group play in Diablo 4. In my opinion, in Diablo 4, there are two essential aspects of group play. The incentive to group up and tools for finding groups. While the game excels in one of these aspects, it falls short in the other. Personal loot, XP bonuses, and various other features make grouping up with others a, a rewarding. That's probably meant as rewarding or something. Playing alongside others doesn't feel like a penalty. This is great. However, compared to D2, D4 lacks a tool for finding groups. In Diablo 2, we had the game lobby, which allowed the community to create and discover custom games easily. It was fun seeing the community finding min-max ways to level, like joining a tomb run, watching your XP bar climb rapidly. In Diablo 4, I found myself playing solo more often, mainly because there's no in-game tool for finding groups other than relying on external platforms like Discord. While lobbies might not be the ideal solution, including a group finder feature would greatly enhance the game's social aspect and encourage more group play. Then there's a little bit about overworld feedback. Is it? Yeah, it's just a little. And then I'll let you read the rest of this person's stuff on your own, you know, show notes and all that. Overworld feedback. Diablo 4 adopts a more open-world approach to the overworld, which offers many advantages. However, occasionally, I miss for the more linear progression seen in Diablo 2. The structured journey through Act 3, knowing that you'd eventually reach Travancall by traveling deeper into the jungle, added depth to the game. If Even if you had the WP to Mephisto, you still had to explore two more floors, creating a sense of anticipation. In Diablo 4, the maps can sometimes feel bland 
bland and flat, lacking the sense of threat or uniqueness. Injecting more depth into the maps would be a welcome improvement to create a more immersive experience. This could be a, a challenge, though, since it's a very different game. So, to me, it sounds like he's comparing Diablo 4 to Diablo 2, which must be a game that he really liked. Uh, and you know, liked all the th a lot of things about, and I think he's kind of, sort of, maybe trying to point the devs into making D4 more D2 or D2 resurrected, depending. They did do that. You know, it's a lot of stuff. I don't know if any of this is going to get heard by the devs. There's a couple of replies in here, but you know, people responding, that kind of thing. It's just kind of an interesting thought that he had, and I just thought, well, I'll, I'll read it out at least a little bit. There's also a hotfix um, for Diablo 4, posted by Filthy Rich, community manager, on the PC general discussion of this. So here's what we've got. Hotfix 5, December 20, 2023, 1.2.3a. Game updates. Echo of Duriel drop rates for Uber Uniques will now be doubled until January 8th. And there's a developer's note. We're boosting Duriel Uber Unique drop rates until January 8th to help all those looking for that special piece of gear. Happy holidays. Vampire power update. Metamorphosis. Unstoppable duration change to a flat rate instead of scaling with vampiric power level. Unstoppable duration change to 2.5 seconds at all levels no longer increases per level. Damage increased from 80% to 120% to 160%. 60% uh, from this to 110%, 180%, and 250%. Note, Metamorphous in-game tooltip will not reflect these new values and will be updated at a later date through a client update. They're also fixing an issue where in extreme cases, charged bolts would result in stability and performance issues. And then there's some other stuff with heirlooms. There's a little note in here. Uh, we've seen feedback from the community that the materials can be a bit tedious to collect due to current drop rates. So we are boosting this up to help players obtain the rewards through the event period. Thanks again for the feedback. And this has to do with uh, lost heirloom drops from frigid husks. That's what this is about. They're also greatly increasing blighted fragments and lost heirloom rewards found in Midwinter Nightmare Spoils caches. So that's kind of cool. There's also, this one's from earlier, I think the, that's all the newest stuff from this in particular. Blizzard Watch has an article titled How to Complete the Season Journey in Diablo 4 Season 2. So if you haven't gotten all the way through that, I'm pretty sure I haven't gotten all the way through that. I think I just finished um, uh, part 3. I think it was. I'm working on part four a little bit here and there, but I'm also, I've also been playing the midwinter stuff, so we'll see how it goes. Um, this one's written by Elizabeth Harper. Diablo 4 Season 2 is well underway, but you still have plenty of time to complete the season journey. If you didn't participate in the first season, you can expect the gameplay to be much like Diablo 3 Season Journey. It's a series of increasingly difficult objectives that reward loot, gear, titles, cosmetics, and general prestige. The Season 2 journey feels a little easier than the Season 1 journey at lower levels. A number of objectives require you to do fewer things, so you'll probably progress through the first four chapters more quickly. However, the final three chapters really update ante, requiring you to kill all of the game's new end boss 
endgame bosses, complete a level 90 Nightmare Dungeon, and max out on quite a few Paragon Glyphs. However, you'll get some better rewards for your efforts. This season, you'll find a new mount, new mount armor, and new mount trophy among the season journey rewards, and you'll pick up three scrolls of amnesia from later chapters. But this season, I'm not sure if I'll bother to finish the final chapter, which only rewards a new title and a bunch of season two crafting materials. However, if you're playing Diablo 4 this season, you should be able to make plenty of progress without too much work and collect plenty of rewards along the way. With leveling reportedly 40% faster, this is a great time to play to unlock the late game content that has been particularly difficult to reach in the past. Here are all the objectives and rewards on the Diablo 4 season two season journey. And it's all there. Chapter one, chapter two goes on and on up into Slayer, Champion, Destroyer, this whole thing. If you've played Diablo 3, you kind of know what these are like, but it's not, of course, identical because these are not. this is not the same game. But close enough, um, that's probably something I'm going to hang on to because I sure haven't finished the whole season journey yet. We also have uh, from Wowhead, posted by Arctane, Diablo 4 nominated in 2023 Steam Awards Best Game on Steam Deck category, which is kind of exciting. There is a graphic in this that... Um, shows that Diablo 4 is among the ones that people think are some of the best. It's in fact the first one in the line. Next to it is Hogwarts Legacy, followed by the Outlast Trials, Brotato, which looks like a little round thing with some guns and um, some kind of bandana, and something called Dredge. So that's what that is, and it's um, it's... Diablo 4 apparently has... Yeah, Diablo 4 is in the list of player voted nominees for best game on Steam Deck. I didn't even know you could play it on Steam Deck, but there we are. Um, and it turns out, let's see, those who vote in each of the 11 categories on Steam will unlock special stickers from each category voted on to use on the platform. In order to cast your vote, you must be a registered Steam user. Voting is open from December 21st until January 2nd at 10 a.m. Pacific time. To cast your votes now, click the link below within the Wowhead article. Um, while you're at it, if you want to give Diablo 4 to a friend for the holidays, the game is having a 40% off sale until January 4th, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Also from Wowhead, there is a post from one day ago by Jen Artros titled The Best or Best Abattoir of Xur Enemy Types Diablo 4 Season 2. So here's a little bit to know. The Abattoir of Xur may have technically been conquered, but that doesn't mean players have given up on their climb to the top. Players have been steadily defeating the Abattoir's challenges, but the enemies they face are no joke. So we've ranked the enemy combinations you'll face from best to worst to give players the edge they need going into an Abattoir of Xur run. Whether you're looking for information on a particular enemy combination is particularly deadly or need information to know which runs give you the best odds to clear a tier, our abattoir of Xur enemy tier list has you covered. Ranked on how the dead, how deadly the enemies are, combinations, and the abilities you'll be facing, the, this list will have you ripping through the abattoir's challenges in no time. They have a full list you can click on and go look at. I'll just read you a little bit about this. There's the S tier, the easiest abattoir of Xur enemy types. That includes five. Uh, that includes bandits with fire and cultists with fire, and then bandits with fire and serpent, serpent cultists with poison. Um, it just goes on from there. So you'd have to like actually click on the link in the Wowhead article to see the rest of those. Wowhead also has, written by Jen Artras, new zone event for midwinter, Blighted Revelry Summons the Red Cloaked Horror. And this is part of, of course, the Blighted event, uh, Midwinter's Blight. So here's a little bit about that. 
It's the holiday season and players are storming the Fractured Peaks for the Midwinter Blight event to farm Midwinter Proof for cosmetic awards. One of the best ways to get these Midwinter Proof is by exchanging the Red Cloaked Trophy you receive for killing the Red Cloaked Horror. But how do you find this menacing monster? Players must interact with a specific holiday zone event called the Blighted Revelry. This event isn't marked on your map, but it can spawn anywhere zone events can, so exploration is a great idea. With the Blighted Revelry event, it isn't enough for players to simply defeat monsters. The mastery of the event must be completed to summon the Red Cloaked Horror. Frozen frigid husks surround the event area, and when the fire from the central blaze reaches them, they will thaw and become attackable. But watch out, the Blight monsters are trying to snuff your flame all the while. They do. They come out, like the little ones come out with these little, like, I don't know if it's coming from their hands or if they've got little mini fire extinguishers to turn some of those out but I've seen it. Once the red cloaked horror spawns, all that's left is to defeat him for his loot but don't underestimate the beast. He'll have a jolly good time ripping you limb from limb if you do. How many times have you defeated the red cloaked horror so far? Let us know in the comments below. I haven't seen him yet. I haven't seen him at all. I didn't even know where to go for him so uh, you know, I put up a couple videos of um, the Midwinter Blight thing. The uh, video itself came out great, but my audio of me talking about it didn't so well, but it's still there. It's on YouTube at uh, Book of Gen Original. You can check that out if you care. If you don't, that's fine too. Few other things here. Diablo posted, "'Tis the season for dark gifts, wanderer. Claim the Dragoon's Path mount armor and two mount trophies in the free gifts section of the shop now. There's an asterisk next to that, so I'm not sure what free means in this case. Available to all Diablo 4 players until December 26th at 10 a.m. PT. So there's like a scroll and an Anarius Shrine mount trophy you can get, and there's also sort of armor and cloth on a horse that has also the Anarius symbol on it. So I think that's kind of cool. I'll see if I can get that. There's an asterisk though, and I'm always suspicious of the asterisks, you know? In addition, Diablo posted on Twitter, uh, add the Shard of Dawn aspect to your arsenal while empowered by the Midwinter Ward unlocked by reaching Tribute Tier 3. Each enemy kill reduces cooldown by one second, and that's what it does. Gain 12 seconds of 25 to 35 uh, percent increased movement speed and 20 percent attack speed every 30 seconds. So I think that's pretty cool. I've got one. I haven't used it yet, I think. Um, there's also, um, you've seen before Diablo posting a bunch of its music, lo-fi beats kind of thing. There's a bunch of those with the Diablo stuff. They started doing them with World of Warcraft too, but I haven't really looked into that. There's another one called Snowfall in Fractured Peaks, Emanations of Sanctuary. So if you want to listen to music from that, you can. It's a lot of music. It is approximately three hours long. So you can just chill to that if you want um, during the holiday season, I guess. I'm not too sure how this works, but I'll probably listen to at least some of it. And it's got down there the name of the music that you are currently listening to and who composed it, which I think is really good. So you know like who it was that made this thing that you really like or maybe didn't like. And last but not least, if you have someone in your family who would really like to start playing Diablo 4, well, here's something you can do. It's actually on sale right now. And it is a, uh, you can get the Diablo collection. I'm not sure if that means all of them. What is the Diablo collection exactly? 
Okay, it looks like it's Diablo 4, Diablo 3 maybe, and Diablo 2. So you could do that, but that uh, has a special introductory price ending on January 1st. Um, but if you want Diablo 4, or somebody in your family wants Diablo 4, or you have someone in your family you'd really like to play Diablo 4 with, you can get them at a uh, discount price right now. It's 40% off for the Ultimate Edition, the Digital Deluxe Edition, the Standard Edition, and the Diablo Collection is $59.99 somehow, but the rest are a bit smaller than that. Uh, the Standard is definitely the lowest price you would pay. <laughs> so if you want to do that, you can. You could get it right from the Battle.net shop and, um, you know, find somebody to play with if they're interested. And if you don't have it yet, you can try to get this for yourself, too. I don't know what the time limit is exactly, but it's a good game. I've been playing it a lot uh, when I have the energy to do so because I, I have a neurological disease and sometimes there are days of just nope. So, <laughs> you know, you do what you can and uh, take advantage of this discount price while, while it's here and, you know, give it to somebody who's been talking about wanting to play but maybe can't afford it, something like that. And that's where I'm going to end this episode. You have been listening to episode 439 of The Shattered Soul Stone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter at Shattered Stone, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.